welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name is Rich Williams. This is a brand new podcast from Planet Football. But we'll begin by celebrating everything that Naughty's football had to offer. A decade of footballing brilliance, the Battle of the Buffet, and some very well-documented Broken Metatarsals. Uh, if you love that decade as much as we do, then you are in the right place. Joining me today, as per usual, Stoke supporting Planet Football editor and Tony Pulis fanboy, Mark Holmes. Hello, hello. Our Borough-supporting Janino-worshipping European footy expert, Pete Farris. Howdy. And our special guest today, uh, not that you two aren't special, by the way, you are very special in your own ways, uh, Manchester United supporting comedian Danny McLaughlin. Danny, welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. Thanks for having us. Uh, we ask everyone this uh, who joins us, do you have any connections to metatarsals at all? I've been quite lucky with mine, never damaged mine, never kept me out of the Chester and District Cup or anything like that. <laughs> but, it's the um, big one. I had a mate who, who used to, he was like right onto like the indie music scene in the early noughties before anyone and he had the skinniest jeans ever before school. like we were all still wearing like massive flary style rocker wear jeans <laughs> with my timberlands and that and he had proper uh, spray-ons and um he broke his metatarsal trying to get them off once <laughs> <laughs> that's how tight they were wow what, what's the what was the process that he smashed his leg on i wasn't out? there i think he was like <laughs> i think he was struggling that much that he like moved his foot and it snapped just his... snapped that, that to me is just a very weak metatarsal. It might have been, right? his, yeah. yeah. It might I have was been imagining, his... like you said, he was trying to pull it off and then his leg kind of flipped up and hit something and maybe <laughs> maybe damaged it. But I think it was more to do with his diet of uh, bacon and Guinness. <laughs> I went round to his house once and his shopping list on his fridge was bacon, backy, Guinness. That was it. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> I, 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 I like the foundation of any nutritious uh, breakfast. I respect the fact he was trying to get in skinny jeans. That's how it was in, in its own way. Uh, now, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code. We have our own code for you here. Uh, TBM Index. TBM Index uh, and you will be able to trade with a £500 money back guarantee uh, it's new customers only and it's 18 plus but if you go on there ch- type in TBM Index that's the thing to do uh, we uh, mentioned uh, on the last podcast that we don't really like asking but we'll ask anyway because we love five star ratings but Mark doesn't mind the odd four star rating either <laughs> just the odd one just anything above a two would be absolutely yeah, fantastic I, I was listening back to, to the podcast the other day and I was like did Mark just say he doesn't care if it's a five star yeah. like, it was really oh, it's a four. So, just to fill you in here Danny we, we recorded an episode the other day and we, we, we were talking about asking for this five star which you know is uncomfortable in it but it's got to be done and then Mark was like well you know four's fine just give us a four it's like a really it's weird like, underselling it's yourself. It's still a first at you, and isn't it? Eighty percent. I'll take that all day long. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's how the algorithms work. I think. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Well, what was the first at uni? <laughs> Rate and subscribe the podcast. That would be absolutely brilliant. Now, each episode we'll be digging into one element of the noughties, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Today, it's Portugal's step over supremo, goal scoring great, set piece sensation, remarkably reliable, ridiculously ruthless, record after record breaking, rise of Ronaldo, and the rebirth of Man United.
So lots coming up on the podcast today, including an interview with Eddie Johnson. Now he was uh, he was in the youth ranks, wasn't he? Um, when he was at Man United at the same time that Ronaldo was there, so he should be able to give us a, a, a pretty good insight. Danny, someone you 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 know, of course. Yeah, I know him from from back in the day. I think the kids say. Um, I used to I played with him a few times for Chester Council. So you you were pretty good then. <laughs> I was all right. Yeah, I you're was, playing it down here. Come on. I was yeah. I was probably yeah. I was fine. Played for county and that. But I was never that bothered. But what? Fat. <laughs> I love the way you sort of went. You went. Oh, I'm going to pretend I wasn't. Bo- oh, do you know what? Forget it. I was just fat. <laughs> yeah, I was fatter than I should. I wasn't like as fat as I am now, but I was too fat to be good. So what? What fat are we talking? Are we talking like Steve Stone fat, or are we talking Gaza late on fat? No, or... it's not quite Jan Mulby. Um, like yeah, fat. like. Andy, what's his name with the dead nice left foot from Forest? Reed. Andy Reed. Yeah, that level of early fact. Andy yeah. Reed. Do I say yeah, he's, he's he's quite he's quite good considering his stature? That kind of yeah. player. Yeah, he's like, better than he should be. Like I don't like swimming with my top off, but I don't have to swim with a t-shirt on. <laughs> okay, that's what I mean. Right, yeah, the yeah. thing is with that that sort of play, I still play <laughs> Saturday morning football. And whenever you see a lad who's a bit fat, you say, he's going to play centre-mid and be the best player on the pot yeah, every that was, single time. That was, me, yeah. that was you, centre-mid, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Just, sprinkler. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> or, the, or, or it's the keeper who's taking it way too seriously. <laughs> that's, that's the serious thing. It's the centre-mid fielder who's like an unbelievable player, or it's going to be the guy they've gone, can you just go in goal, mate, please? He's like, like bitter about it afterwards. It's Saturday league, though. When you see a thin keeper, you're like, you must be bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like, it's the good fat ones go in goal, but the the bad thin ones must have to go because like we would have you out because you look like you can run but you yeah. must be terrible at football. <laughs> um, also coming up uh, towards the end of the podcast we will have football fact or football fiction. Uh, my job and your job will be to work out uh, which of the three statements are the footballing fact and which two are totally made up. Right, before we start anything you are of course a, a Man United fan. Indeed. Danny, I'm, a, I'm a, a Leeds United fan so this isn't exactly my dream scenario here talking about the rebirth of Man United. So let me just unzip because before we go any further, oh, I, no. I, had to, wow. I had to unzip the hoodie. This is like Alex Brooker. I can't possibly. Well, that's, that's what inspired me when he took off his hoodie to reveal his Arsenal top. I am now in retro Leeds United top. This bottom bit's looking a little bit uh, bigger <laughs> than it used to do. Just that whole, that whole yourself, bottom right? I'm just saying, it's just that's, or, or, that's, or it's a tight shirt. That's my Andy Reid. One of the two. Going in goal. So um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just start off by saying that. Um, we're talking about Ronaldo and Man United. Mark, just to give a little bit of context to that. The early 2000s, United just carried on where they left off in the 90s when they were phenomenal. Won the league in, in 2000 and 2001. Um, third in 2002, and then I think Fergie wanted to retire that season. What's about? I'll stay on, can't, can't go on like that. Then they won the league again in, in 02 and 03. But then they signed Ronaldo and went three years without, without winning the league. United had obviously not gone more than two before. They, you know, they'd only have a not won the league in one year and then and then followed it up by winning it. So it was unheard of at those times. So it's really interesting to A, to look back at that fallow period, but also to look at the rise of Ronaldo and how Fergie moulded him and how he built up a completely new team into arguably one of his very best uh, by the time we got around to sort of 2008 era. I mean, Danny, you, as a Man United fan, it's something like eight titles in 11 years leading up to that slight fallow period that you talk about. Spoil as a fan, the memories of, of that time and leading up to where Ronaldo came to the team. Yeah, it was the the weird bit was like not winning it for three years. And that, obviously that coincided with Mourinho popping up and the, the Invincibles, I think, the Arsenal team as well that lost loads that season. But um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was like you said, like they'd always won it the year after. I remember the, the 
the Blackburn game in like 95 and it, it being like the end of the world. The Blackburn game, sorry, the West Ham game, the Blackburn yeah. won the league and, and it was like being the end of the world. And then there was like sort of no thought that they weren't going to win it the year after. So when we didn't win it like for two years, I was like, oh, maybe this is it now. And Mourinho didn't look like he was going anywhere because obviously you didn't know then about Mourinho and how self-destructive he could be. So we were just like, oh, maybe this this is it now. And it was so easy in 2001, that era where they were winning it in March and whatever. Like yeah. It was just no one was near United at that time. So it was quite worrying as a United fan to think, oh, maybe, like, maybe this is it now. Maybe probably what I thought then is what I think now. Like, oh, we're AC Milan now. We're done. Fallen giants. <laughs> but, this, but I think yeah. this actually, that was almost like a trial run for what's happened since Fergie's left to a certain extent. Fergie said, I'm going to go everything depressurized yeah. and they managed to get it back because Fergie stayed in charge and went, obviously went on to do incredible things and bringing Rooney and Ronaldo obviously came in 2003-04. Yeah. There's maybe no shame in not winning the league that year because Arsenal don't lose. But the signings made in that group is the man we're going to talk about in great detail and one of the greatest two footballers of all time. There's also within that group, with all due respect to them, the likes of Tim Howard, Eric Jemba Jemba, David Bellion. Later in the season, in the second half of the year, Louis Sahar comes in, Alan Smith comes in, Gabriel Heinzer comes in uh, from PSG. That's you know, toward the summer. That transfer policy that time didn't quite work. So it's really interesting that amongst that, you then get the choice, the one man who comes and he builds a team around afterwards, which is the brilliance of Cristiano Ronaldo. I can't believe you left Cleberson. Cleberson, sorry, yes, of course, Cleberson. <laughs> the best of the lot. Ronald, uh, Ronaldinho's chauffeur. Ronaldinho's chauffeur. <laughs> I think that's what people were saying. Because obviously the chat was that we were signing Ronaldinho. The chat was that it was it was basically they signed Cleberson because they were mates and he'd help him settle wow. in. There's a few stories across football with players getting signed for... That happened at, Leeds, that at Leeds United. Lucas Rodabay signed for Leeds United to help Phil Massinga settle in at Leeds United. So that did happen for you know foreign players that came in. Uh, uh, Fabio, when he signed for Borough, the uh, first Fabio, when he signed for Borough, just to help Emerson. There you go. And that's a name, Fabio, that no one else will know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I thought you were going to say Fabio to help Raphael. No, 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 it's a different Fabio. We're going back on the Ronaldinho thing. When Ronaldo signed, it felt like... A consolation prize to me as a United <laughs> fan because like all that summer was we're gonna we've, we're losing Beckham we're gonna sign yeah. Ronaldinho it's all fine even I remember that Fergie in a press conference actually said oh we're pursuing the Ronaldinho thing now that's looking mm. and I'd never heard him talk about players like that like so we just assumed it was done and then we end up with this like snaggletooth kid with like bad skin and the worst Versace <laughs> jumper you've ever seen. Do you remember that? Yeah, that horrible Versace yeah, yeah. jumper that he signed in. And those like yellow streaks, but like there's only like five yellow streaks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the worst haircut of I think any modern Premier League footballer. Just a little strand. There's like five of them though. Really wasn't it? bizarre, yeah. Jovino says hi. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, and and just thinking who is this kid? Like, all right, he could be he could be great, but he looked, he's had a good game. That's yeah. all we knew. Is that true, that rumour that went round that it was the players on the way back that were saying, you've got to sign this, you've got to sign this lad? Or is Ma that, is so that a Ma bit of a myth? Martin Edwards says it's a myth in the sense that they were already watching him because of Carlos Queiroz. Obviously, Portuguese knew him. But yeah, um, Ferdinand's spoken about it. Giggs has spoken about it. Got some, some quotes, actually. He said, you see Ronaldo get the ball, you see him turn John O'Shea inside out and you're having a little giggle to yourself. He just lit up the game and all the lads were talking to him after the game. And I remember we were waiting on the coach and everyone was just wondering, what are we waiting for when we're going to sign this this kid? So I think it did happen. Yeah, they did They did say, Ferg, look, we've got to get him in. But they were already aware of him, I think. There's a YouTube uh, 
clip that I was looking at. It's about five and a half minutes long, and it's every touch Ronaldo had in his debut against Bolton. And you think he was only on the pitch for half an hour, and it's a five and a half minute YouTube <laughs> clip. But it's a really weird mix, that, because I was watching that as well. And it's he starts off clearly very nervous. I mean, Nicky Hunt wipes him out within about two seconds. Like, he starts off clearly nervous, as you'd expect this kid coming on at Old Trafford to do so. Then he does one, like, he then skins Nicky Hunt and sort of back heels the ball to, I think, Wes Brown. And all of a sudden, everyone goes, hey, that's Pete, that's I've got a brilliant quote about that. Um, on. From Daniel Taylor, the United correspondent in The Guardian, and he praised him for getting straight back up after that Nicky Hunt foul and said, Ronaldo does not play act in the shabby manner of a Louis Figo or Rui Costa. His retort is to torment opponents with the ball and gradually strip them of dignity. Now, that opinion changed yeah. quite quickly, but that was that was his thoughts on the day. But but then you watch what he's doing in that, just like this first, and we're talking his first game, not where he is now even, but his first game. He skins about four people. He puts in a couple of incredible balls. He lays off a couple of brilliant balls to Diego Forlan, and it looks like Ronaldo's pass was terrible, but actually Forlan has clearly got no confidence at this stage. Sky's one is completely lost. He wins the penalty, and he does all these incredible things, mixed with a little bit of childish like nerves, but you're kind of going, already, you can hear the crowd. Every the time game. he picks up the ball, within the like, like, oh, yeah, within three on. touches, because they can see how direct he is and how much he's going at people, and the entire crowd within three touches, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Danny, That's start that. to go... Yeah, all right, this kid's, yeah. Yeah, I remember, because I, I was young still. Like, not young, young, but I was 18. Mm. So, I was 17, 18. Mm. So, I was like, oh, and it was it. And that's the best time to be a football fan, I yeah. think. Yes, like, definitely, yeah. That's all the thing with United now. People are like, oh, it's rubbish. And I was like, yeah, but I, we've won everything when it was the best time to, when you can go in school and go, ah, yeah, you know, what I mean, that's the be- that's the best time, so isn't it? So if they never win, sorry, this is the- bringing back horrible memories. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I if, if they never win, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I remember the excitement. All my mates were chatting about it, and then we were all like doing Ronaldo chops on the Sunday League and all yeah. that, trying to step. I don't know whether that was that the same game that like Akocha was amazing as well. I think it will have been. And, yeah, like Keane was chasing him all over the pitch that day. And um, it must have just been an amazing game to watch with like Akocha in his prime and Ronaldo coming yeah. up like. It was only 1-0 when, uh, when Ronaldo, come on, like you say, won the penalty. It was 4-0 by the end. And back to Daniel Taylor report, he said um, the impudent way he shows the ball to opponents then goes past is reminiscent of George Best. That is one hell of a statement to make after one game. He said nobody could have left Old Trafford without believing he'd just witnessed the emergence of a superstar in waiting. That's pretty prescient, isn't it? Yeah. That's what, pretty prescient for Daniel Taylor. One of the things I noticed on that, which is always a sign of like whether you've settled into a squad or not, he was on some of the set pieces. Yeah, already. I think it coming on as a kid like that on a debut, and they're like, "Yeah, you can take the set piece," and whipped in a couple of great ones as well. And you think, "All right, they, that's a, that is really unusual for a player coming in at that stage of their career to be put set on straight pieces in front of however many thousand at Old Trafford." I think Pete um, said that he looked a little bit nervous, and I think actually Fergie and and United gave him his confidence because he wanted Ronaldo when he moved. He wanted the number twenty eight, which he had at Sporting, and Fergie said, "No, you're, you're having seven. We, we back you to, to fill the shirt that Beckham's just left. So the Cantona to, before him, Adam. And you know, to, be, to be given that responsibility, you've got to be one hell of a player. And he obviously just took to it and thought, okay. I had mates that said that um, they should bin him off and sign Aaron Lennon. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I, that was a chat at the time. Aaron Lennon was like young and up and coming. And, and yeah, like, but great. he looked like he could get to the byline and whip it in. And at the time, with Van Nistelrooy up front, that's that's all United fans were, were after. Just put it on his head. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when Beckham left, there was a time when uh, Solskjaer was playing on the right and his delivery was excellent. And the commentators were using that cliche. It was like, he puts it exactly where he would want it. That's why he's a great right winger. And um, 
yeah, that was happening loads. And then all the fallout with Van Nistelrooy was yeah. was happening because he wasn't putting it in. Rude was making a run. He was checking back. He didn't know when to go. So I think everyone was sort of siding with Van Nistelrooy with that and were like, oh, just get it, just whip it in. And it just shows like how like short-sighted football fans can be really. Like I don't know what that Aaron Lennon guy <laughs> who said that is doing now. He's probably not picking his fantasy team. But like I remember it just being, oh, come on, mate. Like this is nice, but it's not FIFA Street, if you will. Like, yeah, his conversion rate from I'd, I'd love to know what his like his crosses, what well, I don't even completed crosses. Yeah. That's what it is, um, was and stuff like that. Because I reckon, like in an era before stats, I think if you add all the stats that you have now, they, they'd be pretty damning on Ronaldo's yeah. first season. I looked up on Google just for a bit of fun. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo's show pony over two million results. But it's just, yeah, it just shows up what people thought of him. and those. He didn't score until November. And Daniel Taylor, I'll go back, it's quite interesting looking back at Guardian reports at the time. The end of October, when he lost at home to Fulham, 3-1, terrible. Um, I think Jamba Jamba and, and Butt maybe were in midfield that day. And he said Ronaldo was the worst player on the pitch. So it changed really quickly from being really excited about this kid to then being like, Say put a ball and yeah. you know, do the final thing. I think when you look at it as a as an opposing fan and stuff like that, you look at players that are like really tricksy and do stuff, and they think, yeah, no end product. Don't worry about it. It's it's all right. But then you do think to yourself, if they do get an end product, we are going to yeah. be in for yeah. a real <laughs> bloody problem here. Well, there's a story in his second season at Man United where I think they lost to Benfica. Ferguson, who'd actually in front of a lot of the other players been quite easy on Ronaldo on the whole, you know, occasional knackering, but generally in front of the other players. At the full time of that game, he, in front of everyone, he said to Ronaldo, he said, this is not just you. If you keep doing this, you will never win a game. You will never go anywhere. We will never go anywhere. This is not just about you. You know, some people, and rightly or wrongly, attribute the start of Ronaldo's kind of consistency to come from the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, obviously, but also to a certain extent, finally getting balled out by a man he considered it's a father to, figure. It's all to do with Fergie. The classic hairdryer. That was what, uh, the mythical hairdryer is what, Started the whole thing. Just, so, just, just blew the yellow streak yeah, straight, yeah, out. Yeah, straight <laughs> out. Don't get him caught in there. <laughs> oh, finally. Fire. He, he raised this guy like he was his son. There was a video, wasn't there, going around after Portugal won the Euros of him, oh, of Ferguson right. waiting like a patient father <laughs> for Ronaldo and Nani to come down. He gives Nani a hug and it's a lovely moment. And they obviously care about each other. But then Ronaldo comes down and it is like, obviously, after Ronaldo's relationship with his father, it's a really genuinely touching moment. And who thought they'd ever say it's a touching moment, including Alex Ferguson? I watched that. I watched that about nine times, like straight after. Like, and and, and no, we're not talking about Nanny, but the way Nanny still goes, boss, yeah. it's just like, oh, it was so nice. He was like, but yeah, the way he was waiting, it was, yeah, it was. It's nice to see. Danny, as, as the man you found, you know, at what point was there a turning point from a fan's point of view? When we thought actually. This isn't just a, a, a player with no end product. This is this is going to be our next big player. For me, I think it, when it really dawned on me, it was the Millwall final. Like I think they were lucky in that to to get Millwall in that final, and yeah. and so it's almost a buy that United team so good, and then for Ronaldo to score that header in the final and like really turn it on against admittedly Championship players, but I mean. People then was like, oh, he's turned it. You've done it in a final then. It doesn't matter who, you can only beat what's in front of you. And I think from then people were like, oh, actually he has got the mentality. You mentioned about going from more, you know, all that success, success. You can just get used to success, don't you? It's always, again, we talked about this in another podcast about, you know, when you have success, you don't think it's ever going to end, but it, it does. But then to go back into a period of dominance and success with Ronaldo at the helm must have just been like, we're back. Yeah, it was great. Again, you had that feeling where you were just going to, welly teams you know 
when you go in those like European group games and sometimes you're like, oh, it's, you always have that feeling that in the, like away at Panathinaikos or whatever, it might be a, but they're just battering everyone. It, like you go to Porto and Leverham and everyone was just getting it and it was great. It was great to watch. And you just know that you were going to enjoy your Wednesday night because like United were going to win. They weren't <laughs> going to cause you any grief. They weren't, they weren't going to ruin your weekend. Even like you weren't bothered that they were at the first game on a Saturday, the half twelve. Because then, like now, if I see United on at half twelve, I'm like, oh, that's my weekend done now. Because they're yeah. going to struggle to beat Brighton or whatever. It's two and a half extra hours of being disappointed for the weekend. Yeah, rather yeah, yeah. Than Three o'clock kickoff. Yeah. So, so you never had that. You never had that fear. It was just like if, if they got beat or they, even if they didn't win, it was weird. It was like, oh, and, it, and you'd be in a bad mood. Like now I'm sort of just like, yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's football. But then I was like, well, how are these losing? Like, <laughs> There's a Stoke fan, a Leeds fan, a Borough fan in this room. We know the exact <laughs> yeah. thing you're talking about. <laughs> the, problem, the problem is we've always known that exact thing. <laughs> I think Fergie literally treated that little period as like he was playing football manager because he thought, right, this era has ended now. Arsenal have just won the league without losing the game. I've got Chelsea with Mourinho, run it by Canton in his first season. So, okay, that's over. I've got to do something new here. I've got to build a completely new team. Ronaldo, okay, he was inconsistent. He scored four goals in his first season, five in his second, and then third season he was up to 12, but that was in all competitions. But he added Rooney the summer after. The summer after that, he signed Van der Sar and Park, and then in the January, he got Vidic and Evra. And then 06-07, after the Ronaldo wink, he just comes back. Okay, I'm going to absolutely smash this league to bits. They won the league, lost the FA Cup final to Chelsea, oh. lost in the Champions League semis to Milan. You know, they went close. They signed Carrick that summer as well. So suddenly, they've got the basis of this amazing team. The PFA team of the year that year, out of 11 players, eight were, were United players, and Carrick and Rooney weren't in it. So that's how good that team was. Can we just, because you've very quickly glossed over the Ronaldo wink, uh, like very, <laughs> very quickly, because it wasn't exactly flavour of the month uh, after... After that championship, you know, coming back to to England and Rooney involved in that as well. I mean, it was like a kind of pantomime villain sort of wink that he that he did after the the sending off. But what were Man United fans thinking at that I point? I wasn't bothered. I don't. As a United fan, it's weird because you don't. I don't know. I can't speak for every United fan, but me and my friends who are United fans, we don't. I never really bothered about international football. It was always for like the p- people's uncles that supported Derby and had nothing else. <laughs> like. I was never, and also that classically the disrespect from England fans at United, we've sort certainly felt that we've had a, a rough time of it. Like even just going back from like Bruce never getting a cap, the way that they treated Andy Cole, their Hoddle saying that he couldn't like score, he had ninety two chances or whatever. But he was he's not one of the most, he's one of my favourite players, Andy Cole. I think he's one of the most underrated strikers about the Beckham thing, the effigies, which was just ridiculous, and then the making Rooney play with his broken metal or like trying to get fit for that. Just like historically, we've never really been that bothered about England. And also, I think there's there was no no doubt that if that would have been the other way round. Rooney and Ronaldo were very similar characters, pathological winners. I think if Rooney had done the same thing, and I, mean, I don't think Rooney would have been that bothered. I think he would have totally understood and gone, yeah, that's there, this is here. Let's let's put the red shirt on and, and start winning. And I think because United fans felt like that, club before country, they got behind him. He come back as, an, as a national villain. 
but suddenly the whole old Chaffer crowd are, are more abandoned than they ever have been before. And then he's like, right, okay, I feel a million dollars here. And he just went and absolutely smacked. Him and Rooney both got 23 goals. One of the things that's so frustrating from a point of view of a non-Man United fan, you know, when you see other teams that have got amazing players, maybe don't like the team that much or whatever, is that Ronaldo's too good to dislike. You, ca- you can't actually dislike. He's that good that you have to like him. Well, the you, thing, there's nothing the, you can do about the it. The thing is, no one like hates the opposition's rubbish player, do they? They hate the best players yeah. because they're, they're like usually cocky, but they're backing it up with by scoring against you. Everybody I feel like that with Klopp. I'd love to hate Klopp, but I can't because he seems like a good dude. He does. Apart, apart from like he loves the camera, doesn't he? But other than that, <laughs> like everything else about Klopp, like if I worked at Greg's with Klopp, we'd get on really well. We'd have a laugh <laughs> on the Christmas do. It feels like that with Klopp. He feels like a, just one of you. And going back to the um, the way that the team changed, I think a lot of people gloss over Louis Sahara. How important that was like a, a dip dip the toe in. So when when United said they got they got rid of Van Nistelrooy and they signed Sahara and they were like, oh, let's see how this works now. Let's try a different way. Sahara's one of the great what ifs for me. Like if he'd have stayed fit, I don't know. He could have been anything. I thought he was so good. Uh, without that, I don't know what. It might have been a different story at United. You Just had those was... ten weeks of Larson as well, didn't you? In 06, 07, which yeah, was that was a laugh. <laughs> it was That's another like, like what if. Again, I think like you were saying before when when you said like Fergie was playing football manager, I think Fergie just wanted to manage Henrik Larsson yeah. and just to see what it was like. Like and he's just gone oh, He's like rented him, isn't it? You know, yeah. like he, he didn't want to buy the DVD, but he wanted to he's gone up to Blockbuster and he's rented Larsson and gone, Oh, actually I like that, yeah. I think that's what it was. He just he just liked him and he wanted to to manage him. So lots more to come uh, as we will of course remember the uh, the Champions League winning season. That'll be a drag for you, won't it, Danny, over there, mate? I'm sure, mm-hmm. you'll, be, I'm sure you'll manage to do that. Uh, but first, here's what happened when we spoke to Eddie Johnson, uh, who was part of that youth setup when Ronaldo first broke through at Manchester United. Talk to us about Cristiano Ronaldo. I actually remember his his first day because. I, I hadn't heard much about him, to be honest, and I know um, I know he'd give some of the first team a, a bit of a hard time in the friendly uh, just before he signed when he was at Sporting Lisbon, and people were talking about him, and then suddenly he appeared at the, the main entrance of Carrington, and I remember seeing him because I was like, Who, who's this kid? Because his, his gear was terrible. Um, what was he in that day? He was in like some roll neck, I think it was like <laughs> some terrible sort of roll neck and really tight washed out jeans, I think, and... And the so hair as well. The hair is a bit, <laughs> bit special, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was. I just remember saying, "Who's this kid?" Because obviously we had people coming in, in and out all the time. And then someone mentioned that's Ronaldo new signing. So I was like, "All oh, right, okay." And then we go out to training, and I have one memory of it. And I, I was still quite young, but I was, I was up training with the first team, and we did sort of the five e two warm up like we did every day, and. Um, he did the most audacious bit of skill and put it through the legs of uh, one of the other young lads that was training up with the first team. And it was, he, he'd confused him that much that he crossed his feet together and ended up landing flat on his face after <laughs> his legs. And I think um, everyone was looking around going, oh, there's a player, there's a player here. So it was, uh, from that day on, it was pretty exciting. What were people saying around the club when, you know, he'd been there a while and he sort of made his mark and backed it up initially. And then, it didn't go so well in the first season. And what was the sort of mood around the club? Were people thinking, he, you know, he's going to do it or were you unsure about him? I think no one actually thought he'd get to the heights that he got to now. I think they all knew he was a talent and he could change games and he was exciting to watch. But I, I know some of the players, using example, I know Rude Van Nistelrooy got very frustrated with him in terms of making runs into the box. And Ronaldo would like to take the, the fullback on three or four times. And 
I think they were all questioning uh, his sort of game management and delivery into the box. And Rude was used to David Beckham crossing or Ryan Giggs crossing the ball and he'd get on the end of it all day long. But I think Ronaldo just enjoyed the, the show side of it to start with. And I, think, I don't think people thought he'd go on to especially achieve what he's achieved now. But he, had this, he still had that desire to improve and to be a pro. And I think when you're young, obviously, it's uh, you're still learning. And he was just young and um, full of energy and full of skill and full of talent. Really down to the manager, who he, I know he talks about how much he respects the boss, I think, and what he did for him. I think it was the manager that took that talent, sort of directed him a way that he could get the best out of him, sort of channeling his talents down one way. And everyone knows what he's gone on to achieve and what he's done in the game. And he'll, he'll obviously go down as one of the greats. On the subject of training, Eddie, um, yeah. we know how hard he's worked to get to where he is. Was yeah. that as soon as he come in, you know, did you see him still out on the pitch when everyone else had finished or did that come later? When did the penny drop for him really, you know, that he has to listen to the boss and, and Rude and people like that and actually put in the extra hours? I think it's something that he had naturally in terms of me seeing it, seeing training without staying afterwards or being in the gym. I could see in training how hard he worked and he did have that desire. That, that was evident from the get-go. Over time, it grew. I was probably only in and around the club for about six, eight months because I went out on loan to Antwerp at the end of his first season. So for about six, eight months, I was sort of training with the first team and seeing what he did. And you could see he had that desire and that work ethic. It was already instilled in him. I think it was just a bit more of the guidance that the manager gave him in terms of sort of his game management and how he was going to fit within the, the manager's style. Because the manager always liked players that could change a game was he one of Fergie's pets? I got the impression he's managers sort of always up. got them, don't yeah. they? The lads would joke that they'd say it's your dad. Um, <laughs> so it's it's one of them. it was one of them. I know the manager obviously you could say was was a father figure to him because it's it's commonly known that Cristiano's dad had his had his issues and had, had passed away. So I think the manager took on that role for him, and I think that's probably one of the main reasons why he got the best out of him. So manager like, right, you're like my son. You're like my nephew that I'm not that bothered about. <laughs> you're like my, my cousin's my cousin's son, who we only see him once a year, to be quite <laughs> frankly. You, you'll do, yeah, you can be a stepson, that kind of Brother thing. Brother-in-law, you're on the bench. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, much, it's pretty much how it works. And obviously the lads are giving him a bit of grief about that. They say, oh, your dad's here. Or if there was any issues, they just say, oh, yeah, go and, go and tell your dad about it. <laughs> um, usually lads are playing week in, week out. They, they always say, oh, the manager's your dad. Or the, it's usually the ones that aren't playing that try and use that banter because they're probably their way of showing a bit of frustration. But but yeah, it was all fun and games. And I think uh, the actual relationship in the end proved to be the best thing for obviously Manchester United, but also for, for Cristiano. And just one more question on Cristiano. I know your time overlapped by eight months, let's say, but yeah. good bloke, nice, nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. In terms of just how he was, he was he was just polite and he was he was hard working and he he was a he was a team player. But during my time there, didn't get to know him uh, a great deal. Class him as one of my close friends within the in the team. But I, he he didn't he fit in from day one to be honest. Uh, and I think that came down from the respect that he got for from the other players that that then helped him sort of settle in the team pretty quickly just from, from his talent. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us on the Broken Metastyle. So really, really lovely speaking to you and we really appreciate your time. No, thanks for that. Cheers, guys. 
It is the Broken Metatars. So myself, Rich, uh, Pete, and uh, Mark here as always, and comedian Danny McLaughlin, and of course, Man United fan has joined us as well. We need to speak about the 07-08 season, of course, because that is the season where everything came together in perfect harmony for you and your Man United brethren. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was at 42 goals in 49 games, the Champions League as well. Your memories of that season? I just remember, like I was saying before, I just remember it being like, it's just... Easy or in a, in a way, I haven't got as many memories of that season as I have of other seasons like the treble and stuff. Where because you sort of just expected it by then. Like we had this, we had the, the the two best young players in the world, arguably like Ronaldo and Rooney, or best forward players. Anyway, it was mad to think that that we were never never going to lose. Like the players we had, Vidic and Ferdinand at the back, Everett, who like, you'd have to be a good player to start thinking about how Irwin's not the best left back you've seen at Man United. And now people are actually chatting about it. They signed Van der Sar, which I think is well more important than people were. He never really gets credit for that, but he'd just come in and set, he'd already won in Europe and he'd, he'd been at Fulham. It was like a renaissance for him because he was like he probably thought he was out of the big time. He's playing for Fulham. He's probably gutted. He's, he's another, gone. It's another Fergie football manager sign, isn't it? Because he'd wanted Van der Sar yeah. for ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And he's probably thought that oh, I've got this amazing second chance here after after being at Fulham from Juventus. So he's like amazing. Like Neville's probably in his peak, or even if he's not in his peak, if he's on a downward slide, he's got that experience that sort of gives you a little extra. Even Hargreaves, who I think. For that one season, a perfect storm of Owen Hargreaves and, and Carrick just let Skulls do what he wanted. He was just, he's freed him up immensely. Just sit there and, and run around and don't hurt your knee. <laughs> that's that's what he did. Like, it was, it was a great, great side to watch. If you're an op- opposing team and you see you're lining up against Ferdinand and Vidic, you've got to think to yourself, I'm going to be in for a tough night tonight. It just must be horrible. Imagine like going up against the centre-back and knowing that he doesn't care if you kick him in the face. <laughs> like, it, you can't do anything other than like what that time when a couple of times Torres had him in his in his pocket. But I think it's the most important position on the pitch. I honestly do. Like, if you've got a big imposing centre-half that you feel like you can't get round, you're already, that, there's that cliche of being beaten before you're even on the pitch. People probably used to think more about trying to get past Ferdinand and Vidic than they did about trying to stop Ronaldo and Rooney. Because it's almost like, it's almost like, well, they're going to, they're probably going to score. Probability says they are going to score maybe one, two goals. So what? how are we going to score? It's more that question rather than the other one. Yeah. And with Vidic as well, it's not only like, oh, he's going to stop us scoring, but like, we have to really worry about this guy in the box. Like he was, a, he was a great threat from corners and going forward. Even Ferdinand knew where the net was every now and again and just so good on the ball. It was just, a perfect team really if they hadn't if United hadn't won the treble with that team then then people would talk more about how this is the and it is the best team I think obviously they won the Champions League in the Premier League they lost to Portsmouth in oh. the FA Cup when Van der Sar went off injured at half time Kujak come on got sent off and they finished with Rio in goal that in is goal, how yeah. close and they were to another treble. Danny was just on a real elated high there. And he literally just popped <laughs> in his in his balloon there and just popped it. Yeah, it's you always forget about you forget about that though. It's ace looking back at that that squad really because we've spoken about the big name players that Fergie brought in, but you mentioned Hargreaves and Saha then. It was he just built a completely different squad from what had been in like three years. It was it was astounding. Like Park we've not mentioned. Um we've had an article on Park on Planet Football recently. It's a Brilliant quote, which I'd not seen before, from Perlow's autobiography. It's about the, the season after this, um, when he did a, a man-marking job on Perlow. And he said, Park must have been the first nuclear-powered South Korean in history. He rushed about the pitch at the speed of an electron. They programmed him to stop me. His devotion to the task was almost touching. Even though he was a famous player, he consented to being used as a guard dog. Because Park, like in the Barca game, 
that Champions League season and the semis when Scorsi scored, he did a job that day. And, and he just, Fergie just had a player for every single scenario, didn't he, but with, with that squad? But with Park, he did that again and again. Yeah. Jason Park was brought in in all of the biggest games. It, it just He just was brought in in all of the biggest games because Fergie knew there was a certain part of the pitch, i.e. every part of it, that would be covered by Jason Park. I remember and, the, the, the Barcelona game when Scorsi scored. I, I, I was living in Manchester at the time. And, uh, and obviously one to get to the final. Very, very good night out that. And just all around Manchester, everyone was singing Park, Park, wherever you'll be. He was an absolute legend. You need those players. And what's strange is that at, before he signed for United, Park wasn't that player. He wasn't like, he was scoring goals for PSV yeah. and, he, and for yeah. career. And he, he was almost like a 10. So yeah, they just brought him in and just for man marking jobs. And, and to his detriment at the end, obviously, when we played City in 2011, when, when company scored that we, had, we only needed to draw. Yeah. Um, he played Park in that game and he was awful. He, he, he was gone and he couldn't get, and I think he left after that season, he went to QPR. Again, though, it was, it was just Fergie realising what components of a team do I need to get the best out of my best players. So Ronaldo, as you mentioned, scored 42 that season. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Rooney got do you know what's even more ridiculous? The fact that he's done that about 40 uh, it times. Was the start, <laughs> yeah. It was just the start of that. It almost like, oh, that must be, that's going to be a one-off, isn't it? And then oh, the next season, he didn't quite as many, but that was the start of that role. Well, he got 42, Rooney got 18, and Tevez got 19. That was the front three. The next size was Louis Sarhan, five. So he just built up a team to say, this front three is so good that they can just win everything between them. Champions League final, were you, did you get to Lunch Nicky? No, or no, where, where, were you, where were you watching it? I watched it, it on my own in, in my flat. I was living on my own at the time and I just watched it, like, phone off, nothing. Because I wasn't, I'm quite pessimistic when it comes to, like, I always think, oh, well, if, if you think you're going to lose when you win, it's nice, isn't it? I'm exa- exactly <laughs> um, the same. So, so yeah, I just, wa- and then when we went, even when we went 1-0 up, I was like, ah, oh, because I... Chelsea has always been United's bogey side, even in the 90s with Gavin Peacock and, and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I never, ever felt confident um, against Chelsea. Like Even when we beat them in the FA Cup, like 4-0 or so, I still thought, oh, they might come back against Chelsea, <laughs> innit? So, um, yeah, I was, wasn't confident at all. They had great players, like some of my favourite players, like Carvalho, was he still playing then? And, and like Drogba and, and Lampard, obviously, like... Great, great players and, and Mourinho who looked like the next Fergie. Um, so, yeah, I was never 100% confident. I was so nervous. Like, I couldn't even eat that day. I remember, like, at night even, I, I sat with, normally used to eat crisps and that when the game's on, but <laughs> nothing, just a glass of water. Serious like, business. Just wanted to get through it. Literally just, it was like an exam. It felt like an exam. Do you know when you do an exam and you're like, well, yeah. this exam might be hard, but it will be over in two hours. So it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin my evening. So I'll just get through it and then we'll that we'll stop thinking about it. That's how this felt. It was like get through the game, that's it. And then if we win, cool. If not, I'll just say that I didn't watch it. And then no one can go, oh yeah, but because that's the thing. That's what I always do if I'm watching United, and they, I just say, oh, I didn't watch it, and then you can't. No one can argue. <laughs> with I, don't, I don't know if I enjoyed that game. I think it was more of a kind of. I, a I did because I was out in Manchester again because oh, I was, I'd got moved to Manchester. So that was a great night for me. And uh, we spoke about like the emergence of Ronaldo being what he is today. Obviously, he missed in the shootout, didn't he? But he scored that brilliant header in that game again. Clutch player Ronaldo. But also that season, I, I often see this free kick on, that, on this day stuff and I don't think he's done better the one against Portsmouth Porto yeah. no, the oh, Port- that is a cracker as oh, well oh I thought like you can say Portsmouth Port- oh right okay the Portsmouth one where it's just like how has he even done that in terms of the trajectory and the arc and everything of the ball so that season was like 
Ronaldo Mark II in a way. This is the Ronaldo that Real Madrid, unfortunately for Danny, are going to get the best years out of. Danny, if I ask you, if you're watching it by yourself, just with a, a tap water and no one around you, <laughs> just with your head in your hands, well, when you want it, like, what did you, how did you I celebrate? Phone, I phoned my dad, that's, and I don't think he watched it either because he's the same. And then we just had a chat about how good it was and how cool it must have been if you'd have been there and like enjoyed it. And I felt, obviously you regret it that you didn't enjoy it because you're like, oh, if I'd have lived in the moment more, it might have been a bit better. But I'm in a results business, even as a fan. <laughs> even as a fan, so I'm all about the box score. So that's all I was bothered about. I was like, yeah, we won, I'll enjoy it tomorrow. But it's always a bit weird when you beat, as a United fan, when you it was great beating an English opposition, but yeah. as a United fan in the Northwest, can't really be like ah, because you don't yeah, see any yeah. Chelsea fans or anything like that. So the truth is, you're celebrating it now with us, and that's, yeah, that's the perfect it. way and to it do just it, right? Makes it even worse the state they're in at the minute. Um, well, we won't delve into that. <laughs> don't want to ruin. Let's let's do a bit of football facts or football fiction. So um, this is all based on Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, you have three statements between you. Uh, only one of them is a footballing fact. The other two are footballing fiction. Uh, Danny, you're our guest today, so we shall start with you. What have you got? In Ronaldo's first season, Fergie was angry at his performance. After a bollocking that reduced him to tears, Ronaldo's protective mother threatened to stuff bananas into Ferguson's mouth. <laughs> I mean, wow. that's that's almost too ridiculous to not be true, in, in a way. I mean, that's, that's a murder, right? <laughs> bananas. Um, yeah, bananas, right. Banana. I mean, I feel a bit weird writing bananas in Fergie's mouth as a little prompt here for me. Let's come back to Pete. What have you got? Right, Cristiano Ronaldo is actually named after former US President Ronald Reagan. Well, why isn't he... What? The Ronaldo part the, the... is a Brazilianized version of Ronald from Ronald Reagan. After Ronald Reagan? But there's loads of uh, Brazilian You need to bush up on your Portuguese and Brazilian naming policy. Yeah, like, come on. I didn't, I'm no, but, so but, sorry. But there is loads of Portuguese and Brazilian name players... Um, Sort of, you know, there's like there's Ma Ma Mahatma Gandhi and John oh. Lennon and stuff, isn't there? There's real players in real like Pikachu. There's a Brazilian footballer called Pikachu. So it's Portuguese. We've Hulk. also found out now that there's a load of Kosovans called Tony Blair. Did you did you realise that? I didn't <laughs> until England played Kosovo. Is this satire? No, no, I swear to God, because of uh, of Tony Blair's role in in ending the conflict over there. So it's T O N I B L E R, I think. It's like it's a Tony Blair. What yeah. I love about the Brazilian names, you know, they've all got names like granddads, like yeah. Fred and Arthur. Yeah. And that. Yeah. When the Women's World Cup was on, I was like, surely not. And they're all called like Barbara and Donna and stuff. Martin. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Betty. <laughs> okay, so um, well, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's mum is featuring heavily in these first two uh, bananas and naming rights. Um, Mark, what is yours? So when Cristiano Ronaldo's mum. <laughs> Behave yourself. It's not. Um, when his agent, uh, long-term agent, Jordi Mendes, got married in, in 2015, and this is just so classic Ronaldo, it's untrue, he refu Cristiano refused to get him anything and said he's had his present by representing me for my career. Yeah, that's, that's a fairly valid point with a, yeah. from a cash point of view. I'm dismissing yours, Mark, based on the fact that he said, oh, this is so Ronaldo, like, like, it, like it was. So I'm going I'm to dismiss that one. I'm going to go between the bananas and the naming with the bananas threat. Yeah. How was this received? Was it via telephone or was it was it a letter sent or an email? Uh, a fax. She phoned straight. I think she phoned Ronaldo and said, "Pass him, pass him on, put him on the phone right now." Right. Oh, I see. You yeah. know, like your mum does to your yeah. dad when he's come home drunk and she's angry. <laughs> Mouth came in the phone like on inspector. You know, like, like, <laughs> it comes like out. a cartoon. <laughs> Who, framed, <laughs> <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, and what is the connection between uh, Cristiano's mum and, and, and Ronald Ray? Why such a big fan? What's it to do with her? Well, I think I think it was actually about her, uh, his dad. So I don't think actually, obviously, we know he didn't have a great relationship with his dad, but his dad really liked Ronald Reagan, who was, I think, putting a lot, put in place a lot of. Keep going, Pete. Uh, but in place, a lot of uh, policies that helped, um, Who? you know, in terms of foreign aid. Ronald Reagan helped out yeah. Portugal. Like and... what? What kind of foreign aid? <laughs> well, he increased tarifs on... Um, on what bananas? No, on X, Y, and Z. He increased tariffs. And uh, and that helped the uh, Portuguese economy. So Cristiano Ronaldo's dad was like, well, I'm going to call my newborn Cristiano. Because obviously he's got a longer name than that still. But Cristiano, and you know what? I like the, the Ronaldo part. I admire your persistence on that one. I really do. But I'm going with you, Danny. I'm going with the banana threat. Oh, it's me. No way. <laughs> oh, that's outrageous. Honestly. It's, yeah, he's, he is, uh, yeah, his name comes from Ronald Reagan. The rest of what you said was all bullshit, though. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, okay, I mean, just checking. I don't even, I'm not even entirely sure what a tariff is. But um, yeah, it was, it was all based on that. If you're wondering, Rich, what um, Cristiano actually bought, Mendes for his for his wedding. Oh, oh sorry, I've got. Oh my god, I'm sure everyone was yeah. wondering that. A forty million pound Greek island. Slightly mm. different, but it's, it's imagine being oh, it, Mendes, right? It's pocket change. Keep the receipt. Right, let's be honest. Exactly, yeah. It's like imagine, me giving yeah. to one of <laughs> yeah, that the receipts time. in the bag. If you don't want a Greek one, take it back. <laughs> but that's one of them presents that you've then got to like look after. Like you know when someone buys you a dog and you're like, oh, I've got to look after the dog and like walk the dog and it's like a whole island. Of, well, I've got to deal with the trees here and the beach here. It's just you know a, what? All he's done is given me a burden. Yeah, I'm, good. You know I'm good for him. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I think he's going to be all right. I think he will be. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast today, uh, we really hope you do. Please. Uh, subscribe to it then the next one will drop straight in there for you and also if you'd like to rate it uh, leave a review that would be amazing uh, we're very grateful people have been very kind with the rating so far I have to say so we're very grateful for that and uh, please keep it up because that makes our life um, a lot better uh, this episode was brought to you by our friends at Football Index the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and use the code TBM Index to trade with a £500 money back guarantee TBM Index will give you 500 quid to start you off on there uh, new customers only and 18 plus and if you want to get in touch it's contact at planetfootball.com Danny thank you so much for joining Thanks us on the for podcast having us. Cheers, mate. you now have to go from those glory years nah. back to the shite that is Man United <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. thanks for reliving it with That's us. All right. <laughs> Cheers for having us. Mark, thanks to you. Cheers. And you, Pete. Thank you very much, guys. And join us next time, right here on the Broken Metatarsal. 